Hi, and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick, and I'm the founder and head coach at Straight Shot Training. In my last episode on heart rate-based training, I got a little bit into why I wasn't a fan of constantly competing every time you're training. And this is whether you're competing with yourself or other people in your class. You might be trying to get more rounds or more reps in a certain amount of time. You might be trying to complete a certain workout faster than everybody else or faster than you did before. You might be trying to lift more weight every time you pick up the bar or the dumbbell or whatever type of lift it is you're doing. You might be trying to run or row or bike faster than you did last time if you're in a class like the classes I was speaking of in my last episode in the heart rate based training studios where you get certain numbers of points for how long your heart rate is in certain zones. If you're constantly trying to get more points or beat everybody in the class by getting more points than everybody else, every workout becomes a competition. The problems with this are things that I've talked about for a while. You know, that you can get hurt. You could overtrain slash under recover and get burnt out. You could add it could add an extra stressor into your workout experience that doesn't need to be there. You could be performing movements so fast that you have zero control over them and you never actually learn how to perform those lifts correctly. All of that stuff is stuff that I've talked about before and there's tons of other reasons too why this is potentially a problematic way of training if you're constantly competing every time you get into the gym. But rather than stick on the topic of why it's bad or, or not great for you to be training that way, I would rather present to you five different types of training that you can do when you go into the gym that require you to not train in that competitive lift as fast as I can or work out as fast as I can or lift as much weight as I can every time I'm in there. I want to explain to these five different adaptations that require you to change how you approach each workout. And this is how we at Straight Shot program workouts for our athletes. We have a systematic approach to the things that we want to teach you, the ways that we want you to work out so that you can achieve the results that you want. It's just going to look a little bit different than what you think it should look like. The maximum effort, maximum intensity all the time. I mean, obviously, if you work out that way, you're going to get in better shape, but there's limitations to it. And most of the time you get burnt out and you get hurt. Lots of people get burnt out and get hurt doing it. Not going to say that you that you absolutely will if you do it. It's just one of the risks that come along with it. Whereas with these five adaptations, they're systematic so that you're progressive in how you are learning movements and how you're challenging your body. So over time, sure, you can look back and be competitive with yourself and see, look how far I came. But it's over the over a timeline. It's not every single workout that you're competing with yourself. There's ups and downs here. So here's what I want to get into. Of these five adaptations, we like to start people out with building stability. So when you're training for stability, it kind of goes against everything that you would normally be doing in one of these studios where the, the entire workout is competitive. When you're training for stability, and we're talking about motor control or your body's ability to, at each joint, prevent unwanted movement while producing wanted movement. It's a fancy way of saying not letting your body do the wrong thing while you learn to do the movements the right way. So in order to do this, you have to slow the repetitions down. You have to do tempo repetitions like 
lowering yourself into a squat for four seconds, pausing for two seconds at the bottom, standing smooth and pausing for a second at the top. You also need to do held positions. So think planks, but for every movement that you can think of, so holding squats, holding the bottom position of a lunge with your knee just off the ground, holding the top position of a push-up, holding the bottom position of a pull-up, or a push-up, holding the top of a pull-up, holding the bottom portion of a pull-up, holding a back extension hold. There's tons of different ways you can work on stability of every joint of the body. Basically, anytime you're holding a movement, holding a position, you're working the stability of that joint in that range. Also, when you're training for stability, you need to move more than just forward and backwards. And that's most of what you see in functional fitness gyms. It's just you know, squats and lunges and presses and everything forward and backwards. There's not enough rotational movements or lateral movements. Fancy words for those would be the, the sagittal plane, which is forward and backwards, the frontal plane, which is movements that are side to side, and the transverse plane, which are rotational movements. So when you're training for stability, you do need to do some frontal plane and sagittal plane movements. So think twisting and side to side movements. Those are really tough to do when you're trying to do them really fast, and you're not actually getting the benefits of them by doing them fast. So that's the first adaptation is stability that in order to actually get stable, you have to slow down what you're doing. You also have to lighten the weights up because it's really hard to do these movements with control with heavy weights. The next adaptation we want to look at is work capacity or endurance. This is both muscular endurance and cardiovascular endurance. You have to lower the weight that you're using to be able to perform more repetitions. If you are still trying to uh, lift a certain weight and I want you to get 12 to 15 repetitions and you insist on using that weight, but in order to get those 15 repetitions, you have to set the bar down three times and do it in three short sets of five, that's not the same thing. You have to do a complete set of 12 to 15 repetitions to achieve those muscular endurance adaptations that I'm trying to get you to get as an athlete. So this is where you might think, well, I did a bunch of reps in this circuit that I did, so I can be building my endurance. But if you're dropping the bar every three reps, because you're trying to get through the 15 reps really fast, but you know if you take these strategic rest periods, you can drop the bar down really quick and pick it back up and still get the 15 reps, it's not the same thing. That's another issue I have with this uh, that style of training in functional fitness gyms is that you have to respect the rep ranges. There's a reason why you do certain lifts in certain rep ranges to achieve certain adaptations. If you're trying to get your muscles better at performing endurance activities, you have to do longer sets. So 12, 15, maybe up to 20 repetitions. And then your rest periods should be strategic. So not just you know a bunch of reps, throw the bar down, pick it right back up, but at the same time, not resting too long in between those sets of those higher repetition uh, exercises. So it's there's a strategy to resting, and there's also a strategy to how many repetitions you're doing, and it's not just as many as you can get in a certain amount of time. When it comes to cardio, when you're trying to build work capacity, you have to do slower cardio at a lower heart rate in order to build up your aerobic base, or your body's ability to kind of recover on the fly gets built up better, even if you're not trying to run a race or you know a marathon or, or triathlon or something, you still need to have a good aerobic base so that whenever you're recovering, sitting around in between the sets of whatever lift you're doing, that your body can actually recover on the fly 
and you're not constantly out of breath your entire lift session. So that's one of the things when it comes to building endurance or work capacity is you've got to do it correctly. And just doing a fast workout with as many reps as you can get in a certain amount of time is not necessarily building endurance. When it comes to the third adaptation, hypertrophy, there's a whole lot that needs to change from the lift as fast as you can. We're actually going the opposite direction now. Hypertrophy is building muscle size. And this does not mean that you're going to get gigantic or huge. It's just everyone should strive to have an optimal level of muscle mass for general health. And optimal is totally different for each person. We don't even need to get into that today. But just in the case of, of somebody who needs to build some muscle mass, which a lot of people do, even if you're trying to lose weight, you might need to build some muscle mass uh, before or during that process. You have to lift enough weight to provide us an appropriate, an appropriate stimulus for the muscle, but you also have to lift it enough times to have sufficient time under tension on the muscle to, the, to elicit the response of hypertrophy. So if you're constantly doing things as fast as possible, you're not getting any of that. You might be lifting too light to actually put on an EMASP, or you might be lifting too heavy to have enough time under tension. You're kind of missing the two things that you need in order to, well, two of the things that you need to have muscular hypertrophy. Slowing reps down also helps with time under tension. So focusing on lifting with control and eccentric portions of movements, the lowering portion. So I talked about in the stability phase, you kind of go back to that when you want to work on hypertrophy. You have to really get that muscle stretched while it's under tension to help you build more muscle mass. Sometimes you just do the eccentric portion of a lift, just the lowering portion. I did a program once where you would you know, do a certain number of repetitions on, let's say, a bench press, and once you couldn't do any more, you would just lower the bar to your chest and have someone pull it off of you. You would lower the bar, and then they would pull it off of you, and you would do that for as many reps as you could until you couldn't even lower the bar on your own anymore. And I gained a lot of muscle mass doing it that way. So that's something that you definitely couldn't do in a class setting where you're trying to move as fast as you possibly could. Uh, the other thing is focusing on the contractions, this mind-muscle connection. So if you're doing a, a curl or a tricep extension or a lateral race uh, movement like that, where you're working on maybe one smaller muscle, really focusing on making sure you're only feeling the contraction in that muscle rather than using all the accessory muscles around it to help you perform that movement. And then finally, something else with training for hypertrophy is isolation lifts. So just like I said, bicep curls, tricep extensions, lateral raises, leg extension, leg curl, things that you typically don't think of in a functional fitness gym because people think that they are unnecessary. If you're trying to gain muscle mass, you can only do so many squats and lunges. You can only do so many bench presses and shoulder presses and pull-ups. You need to do some isolation lifts in there to help bring up those muscles that can handle higher volumes to, to get them some extra work in. And so it helps keep you, helps keep the muscle stimulated without overloading you when it comes to your total work performed over the course of a week. So our next adaptation, we've covered stability, we've covered work capacity, we've covered hypertrophy. The next one is maximal strength. Now here's where you think, oh, okay, here's where I lift heavier weight every time I come into the gym. That's not always the way it works either. You need to progress conservatively, meaning you might actually have to go down to 70% of your maximal lift and do sets of five with it one week and then add 2.5% to that every week. And you're thinking, well, then that's going to take me you know, forever to get to where it actually starts feeling heavy. 
And my answer as a coach is, yeah, because it shouldn't feel heavy. <laughs> what we were trying to do when you use progressive resistance like that is, yeah, it feels light when it's the weight's at 70% of your max, but if you add 2.5% each week to that lift, then it's always it's going to feel that easy for a while till you're going to end up performing you know, a set of five, maybe at 85% of your max, and it's going to feel like 75% of the max, which means over time, you're going to be lifting heavier and heavier weights. You don't have to max out in order to actually get stronger. In fact, for, for most of you doing you know, three to six repetitions, you're going to get a lot stronger, and you're going to end up passing your one rep max by doing a set of three and realizing, oh, wow, I just lifted my old one rep max, you know, three times or more than that. So being conservative with progressing long rest periods. If you want to get strong, you have to rest in between sets, which again goes against the, the model that you see in a lot of these gyms of working faster. And we're talking about maximal strength here. Any type of lifting, you're going to get stronger, especially if you're new to working out. But if you really want to get strong, if you want to be able to lift more weight than you've ever lifted before, you do have to be strategic about it. So this also, in addition to longer rest periods, you have to have appropriate volume, meaning total sets times reps, appropriate volume for these higher intensities. Intensity and volume are inversely related. So as your volume goes up, your intensity has to go down. Intensity meaning percentage of your one rep max. And as your intensity goes up, you're lifting closer to the most weight you ever lifted, your volume has to go down. How many sets and reps you're performing. So I've done programs before where I did one set of deadlift and I just pulled five reps on one set. Of, I warmed up, obviously, did a bunch of warm-up sets and then just one set of five repetitions and every week added five pounds to the bar. And it shot that actually I had the the greatest growth in my deadlift max in that time period training like that. Obviously, as you as you get training, different styles of training work and don't work for you. You have to figure out what works for you, but that one worked really well for me for a while. So appropriate volume with higher intensities, uh, ideal training frequency, so how many times a week you're doing that lift or how many times a, a month or training cycle you're doing that lift. You don't have to squat every day to get great at squatting. Some people need to squat twice a week. Some people need to squat once a week. Deadlifting, I always did better with only deadlifting heavy one time a week for a long time. But then once I got into strongman and we had to deadlift everything all the time, I had to learn to, to get better at a higher frequency. But even then, I was deadlifting maybe high repetitions one time and low repetitions high weight another time. So whatever your ideal training frequency is, you have to find. It's different for everybody. The other thing that goes against what you see in most gyms is reduced ranges of motion. So partial range of motion squats, which I know sounds like blasphemy to not squat all the way down, but if you're trying to get stronger, you might need to do a box squat to above parallel. If you get stuck at this one point in your squat, you need to work in that range. On deadlifts, you might need to do block pulls or rack pulls uh, where you're lifting from a higher point off the ground to get you stronger at those points or lockouts on lifts. I've done, uh, or overhead holds. Let's say you're trying to get your overhead press up, have a bar set up on a rack that when you lock out your arms, you're barely lifting it off of the rack and you just stand there and hold it to get your body used to locking out heavy weights overhead. So there's a whole, whole lot of things that, that come along with trying to get strong that you can't do quickly. You gotta do it slow and you have to, to put maximal 
effort into each set and then rest completely in between each set. Um, the other thing here is with you know, trying to get stronger, two more things you could, we could toss in here would be accommodating resistance. So we're talking about putting a band on the bar so it, the lift gets harder as you get to the top of the lift and it's easier when you're at the bottom of the lift. So if you have bands attached to uh, the rack at the bottom and they're wrapped around the bar, at the top of the lift where it's easiest, the bands are making the weight feel the heaviest. At the bottom of the lift where it's the hardest, the band tension is very light. So banded squats uh, are a great way of, of using accommodating resistance on a bar. The other thing uh, to finish up here with maximal strength would be focusing on weak links in your chain of movement depending on the exercise. So if you really have trouble with your low back on deadlifts, then you might need to spend some extra time working on your low back uh, erectors to help keep your, your core tight whenever you're doing your deadlift. If your weak point on your squats is your upper back, just being able to hold a good rack position, you might need to do a bunch of extra upper back work to make sure that you have a good shelf to set the bar on. So again, this is something where it's not something that can be done for time or quickly or that you're gonna get points for. It's, it's, but if you wanna PR your squat, this is how you need to train. If you wanna deadlift more than you've ever deadlifted, if you wanna out bench press everybody, including yourself, it, it, so it, you, are, you can be competitive, but you can't be every training session. Definitely have that, and I wanna make sure before we get into the last adaptation, I wanna be sure to put in here that I'm not saying don't be competitive with yourself or with other people. I mean, I've competed in strength sports and in, in soccer since I was little, and I'm very competitive. I mean, I, I, I'm competitive when I go into a yoga class, and that's to my own uh, detriment, but I, it did take me competing with really good athletes to see what they were doing and realize, man, I can be competitive and not be competitive every time I train. I need to train so that when it comes time for me to be competitive, I, it's there when I need it. The strength is there, the speed is there, the power is there, whatever I was competing in. Your training is going to look different than you're competing. It has to. So if you're playing a sport or if you are into competitive fitness and you want to do a, a CrossFit competition or something like that, absolutely go for it. Be competitive, but in your training, be strategic so you can be competitive when the time comes. Our last adaptation I want to get into is power. And most people, when it gets to power, they think, okay, we're going to keep up with the heavy weights here. We actually take the weights back down. When you're trying to get faster or more explosive, you have to lighten the weights up so that you can be explosive. We want to focus on bar speed if you're trying to get better with, uh, with barbell lifts. If you're doing Olympic lifting, everybody Olympic lifts way too heavy. They want to PR their clean, they want to PR their, their snatch every time they come into the gym. When most people who do, or actually everybody who's proficient at Olympic lifting, Olympic lifters, they spend a lot of time hammering away the fine points of their lift to work on being more explosive at every point they need to be more explosive in during that lift. So explosive movements are part of training for power and you have to have lighter weight for those or just your body weight or medicine balls, throwing drills, uh, multi-planar movements, rotational movements, side-to-side -side movements, sport-specific drills. If you're playing a sport, here's where you add those in. And those definitely shouldn't be done competitively. You're trying to learn something in a gym setting that you can apply to when you're on the field. I've been playing drums for, for a long time, and it's like if I'm trying to learn something, I learn it slow, and I learn the sticking or, or you know which hand is doing what at what point or what my foot's doing, learn it slowly, 
and then slowly get it and practice it. And then if I want to add that piece into something I'm playing or if it's a part of something I'm trying to learn, I'll be able to do it because I spent so much time practicing and focusing on the form of it. So even when you get into training for power, you still really need to focus on your form, which sometimes means slowing things down to then speed them up. Uh, during this type of training, you also need to rest longer than you think you do. Most people, when they start training for power, they start turning everything into a conditioning workout. And you absolutely can do a conditioning workout with burpees and box jumps and lateral hops and skater hops. And trust me, we do it with our athletes for conditioning workouts. But if you're trying to jump higher and you're trying to be more explosive and you want those power adaptations, you do have to rest longer when doing plyometric movements because otherwise they turn into conditioning work, a conditioning workout where your heart rate's up, but you're not necessarily getting more explosive with those movements. If you've been doing box jumps at your gym and you're always doing the same height of box because that's just what the RX is for your group in that gym, you're not actually going to get more explosive with your box jumps by just doing them a lot in a workout where your heart rate's up. You do have to slow things down and take rest periods long enough for you to be able to completely recover and produce that same amount of force again and again, set after set. Another thing that you might see in power training is concentric only movements. So we talked about eccentric only movements earlier when I was talking about hypertrophy. With concentric only movements, you're just performing the up portion. So there's something called an Anderson front squat or an Anderson squat, it can be whichever squat variation you're doing. But on an Anderson front squat, you're doing a front squat, so the bar is in the front of your body, but the bar is set up on a rack so that you start at the bottom and you walk under the bar, you get it positioned on your shoulders, you stand up with the bar as fast as you can, and then you come down with it and you just set it on the bar. You're coming down with control, but not like you would on a regular front squat where you sit with control and lots of tension. You could even drop the bar from the top if your gym is gonna allow you to do that. There's also concentric only versions of certain presses. So maybe if you're doing a really heavy uh, power jerk or split jerk off of blocks, if you're an Olympic lifter, you're going to have the bar set up at, at shoulder height, stand up with it, walk back, do your jerk or split jerk, so getting the bar overhead, uh, dipping and driving and then dipping back under the bar to catch it. You know, most of you have seen this happen during Olympic lifting if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about just YouTube clean power jerk or split jerk. Once you finish the lift, you just drop the bar back down on the blocks These uh, that have these rubber tops to them that are designed exactly for that. So at certain times, yeah, you should throw the bar down. <laughs> uh, on certain lifts, please don't do that at your gym unless you're at an Olympic lifting gym and your coach says it's okay for whatever lift you're doing. But there are, cons there are uh, good things about just performing the concentric portion of the movement especially if you're trying to train for, for being explosive or having power. So there you have it. There's five different ways. You can train for stability, for work capacity slash endurance, for hypertrophy or muscle size. You can train for maximal strength. You can train for power. And you can move through these five different phases and change the way you're approaching each of your workouts. But the entire time, you are still not turning every workout into a competition, either with yourself or with somebody else. So... Again, there are lots of drawbacks to constantly making your workouts a competition, but instead of focusing on the drawbacks, let's start thinking about better ways or different ways to train that don't involve you 
constantly competing every time you come into the gym with yourself or with somebody else. Thank you so much for listening today. If you would like to leave us a rating on whatever platform you're currently listening to this podcast on, that would be awesome. Please share this with a friend if you think they would like to hear it. If you would like to learn more about Straight Shot, you can head to straightshottraining.com. Details all over the site there about all the different types of training services that we offer as personal trainers, both virtually and in home if you're in the Frederick Shepherdstown area. If you'd like to send me a message, you can send me a message through the um, Ask Us How We Can Help section at the very bottom of the website. Just send me an email there, or you can just shoot me a message on social media using the handle at Straight Shot Training. You could also email me, Johnny, J-O-N-N-Y, at straightshottraining.com. Thank you again for listening, and have a great week, everybody. 